Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Hinkey, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. Welcome, beautiful humans. You are listening to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, if you didn't know that already. And today, we're doing something different. And I'm really excited about it. This is something that I have been feeling into how to integrate for a long time, almost as long as I've been doing the show. And we're, we're taking the leap today and we're doing it imperfectly and we're trying it on for size. And that is bringing a bit of my work as a somatic sex coach into the podcasting space. Uh, it may be, it's probably weirder that I don't already do this than the fact that I'm about to start doing this, <laughs> but as someone who works every day in my day-to-day life with women on, you know, healing sexual trauma and reclaiming their relationship to their body and pleasure and sexual expression, that's not something that I talk about overly much on the podcast. I typically have guests who are in or around the sexuality space or, you know, have a juicy topic that interacts with the sexuality space. And that's where our conversations happen, which I think we can all agree has been awesome so far. And I will continue doing more of the same, but I've also received a lot of questions and community requests to hear more about my work and to understand what it is that I do and how my work even shapes the, these conversations and the people who I ask to come here and, you know, the stories that I tease out, all of that is intimately interwoven. And so I would also like this to be a space where not only am I sharing the stories of experts and thought leaders, but I am sharing the very real stories of women who are doing this work and this deconstruction and this self-discovery and this self-healing in real time. I spend hours and hours and hours a week with incredible human beings who bring me to tears and full body chills with their resilience and vulnerability and courage. And I can't wait to share more of their stories with you. And so today you are going to be meeting Natasha Rankin. 
who is a business mentor, a wealth expander for spiritual women. She's a wife, mama, yogi, and a real estate investor. Natasha is the creator of the Sensitive Business Academy that helps coaches and healers package their magic into a signature group program and turn it into a six-figure revenue stream. In all of her offerings, Natasha combines intuitive marketing and sales strategy with deeper mindset and healing work to create the greatest transformation for her clients. And speaking of clients, Natasha was a client of mine. We worked together for six months and she is sharing for the first time in an incredibly candid way about our time together. And she calls our work the deepest edge that she has ever lived into on her personal growth journey. And she talks about why as someone who is very familiar to the self-help world and the coaching space, sexuality was the last piece of her puzzle. It was the last corner of her life that she needed to address. And we talk really honestly about how that came from this belief that she was sexually broken and that the way she felt about her body and sex was fixed. There was nothing to be done about it, that she just wasn't a sexual person. And I think that this is so important because I know, because I hear it from you directly, that so many of you have that belief, that you've run up against that, that if you you know aren't having the kind of sex that you want or you're not having sex frequently or maybe you're struggling with desire, there's this fear that you're broken and that that's just how it is and that's how it's going to be and that it will never be any different. And I think that her sharing around this is so powerful, not only in calling out that fear that I don't think a lot of us can even give voice to or have given voice to yet, but also in dismantling it. And we talk about the conversation with her partner that prompted her to reach out to me. She goes a little bit into the the fillers and the buffers that they used in their relationship to avoid low-lying tension that the lack of sex created in their relationship. We talk about what went into her decision to choose me as her coach, which I think all of the factors she names are so valuable in choosing any kind of support for anything. So it can be taken out of the context of this conversation and applied to other things. She talks about the state of disconnect between knowing in her head and then feeling in her body. And we look a little at the key differences between her experiences of traditional therapy and the somatic work that we did together. And that is a question that I get a lot, so I'm really happy that we had the opportunity to explore that here for all of you to listen to. We explore sexuality as a facet of wholeness and wellness, holding the tension of acting as if or faking it until you make it while normalizing and integrating something new. She shares what changed when she started having and enjoying more sex. We talk all about renegotiating connection, intimacy, sex, and relational dynamics in long-term partnership. And there was another really potent part of the conversation where we kind of explore the inner conflict that she gives voice to 
of being turned off by objectification or fearing objectification. And then on the flip side, the deep need to be seen and desired. We crack up about her journey from the woman who wears black turtlenecks to being the cleavage queen. And we have a juicy connection formed between sex and money. So there's really a lot in this conversation I feel that many of you will see and hear yourself in Natasha's story. And that is one of the things that I believe is the most powerful benefit of stories. It's making us feel a little bit more seen and a little more heard. Natasha has become a good friend of mine following our work together, ending our professional relationship. We evolved it into a personal one once our coaching together was complete. And I'm just really grateful to her for her willingness to be so open and so honest. And she actually came to me and told me after our time together that if I ever wanted to share more about my work on the podcast, that she would be honored to come and speak about it because even giving voice to this part of her journey is actually a part of the integration process and is in a way, it's, it's the final way of kind of claiming and taking back the power around how she expresses her sexuality, how she talks about it, how she wears it, how she plays with it now, how she utilizes these practices and these the, the healing that she has gained through her journey to impact her business and her relationship and all of the other facets of her life. So I'm really, really, really grateful because everyone's body is different. So how the work shows up can feel really theoretical when I'm talking about it, like on Instagram, when I'm writing posts about it. And I have actually struggled in my business to put on paper how it is that I help people or what it is specifically that I do because so much, as you'll hear in our conversation, so much of how I work with my clients is customized and completely formed around who they are and where they are when we meet and what it is that they need. And so I feel like this conversation gives really tangible legs to the way that I work with women And how that might show up and how it might look. And so hopefully, not only does this give you something really juicy to ponder and chew on, but makes it a little more clear, you know, how this kind of support might look. And if you are someone who is seeking the kind of support that I offer It might not feel as scary having heard from someone who has made the decision, who has with bated breath and sweaty palms, you know, slid into the DMs and connected and said, hey, I'm ready to do this and I need help. So hopefully this conversation normalizes asking for help, um, maybe equips you in getting ready to do that. And if you feel moved to take the next step in your own journey of sexual healing and reclamation, then I invite you to reach out to me. I have three private coaching spots becoming available in the week that this launches. And 
I would love to have a conversation with you. I would love to meet you face to face and hear your story. We get on what I call chemistry calls where we connect and talk and we basically feel it out energetically to see if we're a good match, to see if we're a love match. Because while I believe that everyone benefits from somatic therapy, you know, I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea and everyone's souls aren't meant to walk together. But I believe that every single woman who has come through my practice was destined to find me and we were, we were destined to find each other because it's not like it's all one-sided. I have shared often about how this work is not only life-changing for the women that I work with, but for me. Every single woman that I work with and connect with and have a relationship with changes me on a fundamental level and I will never be the same. It is the great honor of my life to be able to do what I do and to coach and mentor and support women in such a tender place. And I do not take any of that for granted. And so this is an unofficial, this is a casual invite that if you're feeling like it's time, send me a message. There's literally nothing to lose and everything to gain. Maybe we just have wine and hang out. Maybe you decide to change the rest of your life. All of that is totally up to you. And there is actually never any pressure, but I'm so excited to be able to share in an intimate way how I do what I do. So thank you for being here. I hope this is interesting. Give me feedback. If you love hearing the stories from the women that I work with, um, I'm considering doing this more often. So definitely shoot me a DM. And if you're a client that I've worked with before and you're super jazzed and you're like, oh my God, I want to share my story. This feels like something exciting that I would like to do. I want to be seen and acknowledged and honored in this way. Then reach out to me and I'll have you on, obviously. I love all of you. I'm grateful for all of you. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share just a little bit more of my life with you. Now on to my conversation with Natasha Rankin. Well, welcome back to Nothing Confidential, to all of my lovey listeners, my tried and true have traveled through the various seasons with me and are still here. I'm so grateful. And I am extra grateful today to be joined by my friend and former client. This is a new experience, Natasha Rankin. Thank you for being here, Natasha. I'm so excited to have you today. Yes, absolutely. So thrilled to be here. Yeah, this is, so this is new. This is a new thing that I have been feeling called to do for a little while now. And partially because of people like you who have gone through the process of experienced working with me and have allowed me the honor of supporting you through a tender season in life. And then there is this moment when you get to the end and you're kind of like, I've claimed all of this stuff for myself. And I feel like the next part of that reclamation is like giving voice to it and sharing pieces of it in order to encourage and support others and, and maybe allow others to be seen as in the way that you so desperately needed to be seen when 
you began this journey. And mm-hmm. so I'm really excited to start that with you because I feel like we had um, a really potent journey together that I'm excited to, to dig into a little bit and to talk about, but I would love to give just a frame of reference. I'd love people to know you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing currently and your work in the world because it's so beautiful. I would love to, to hear your background a little bit. Yes, absolutely. So I am a wife. I am a mama to an almost two-year-old. Um, I'm a business mentor and wealth expander for spiritual women coaches. Um, I'm a real estate investor. I'm a intuitive movement guide and yogi. And yeah, that really sums up <laughs> all a of that. multi-passionate creatrix. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so um, I'm just so thrilled to be able to share my experience of working with you because what we did together was was the deepest edge I had ever leaned into around personal growth. And I am not new <laughs> to personal growth or healing work. And it was very um, mysterious to me as what we were going to do together. And so I just, I'm thrilled that I'm going to have the opportunity to kind of share a little bit of the behind the scenes of, of what that was like and just how transformational the work is that you do and how powerful of a container you hold for women to reclaim these parts of themselves and um, just sharing more about the ripple effect that that has had in my life around all of these pieces in all of these identities that I now hold. Mm. That's so beautiful. And you brought up a really good point. I think it's a great place to start, which is that you said that this was this work working on reclaiming your sexuality, empowering your body, that was the deepest edge and you Mm -hmm. had done so much work. And this Mm -hmm. is something that I encounter all the time. Um, all of my dream clients are very, are, are you, they're similar. They are you, they have a lot in common with you. And that is that they have done everything else. It's like, Mm -hmm. they have worked on their wealth mindset. They have worked on their body image stuff. They've worked on food and fitness and their business and getting in touch with their intuition and all of these things. And it feels like the sexuality piece is often the last piece. And so from your personal experience, I'm so curious why you think that is in your case. Yeah, that's a great question. And that, what you just said is 100% me and and the way that I came to this work. And I think in my mind, right, as I unpacked each of these layers of my life over time. So for me, food and body image was very early in the, in the personal growth healing space. Then it came to um, relationships and, you know, going through therapy and understanding how to communicate and understand my feelings and, you know, all of that, learning that language. And, Uh, Then I kind of moved into the business space and it was in my mind, the sexuality piece was fixed. Whereas all of these other areas I acknowledged were all generated and created through belief, right? Through my subconscious and the patterns that I had inherited. And I knew that and I could recognize that, but for some reason, the sexuality piece felt fixed Mm. until I really had this, um, you know, come to Jesus moment with my husband, essentially, around this work. And 
I, I knew, I knew for two years that this, that I needed to do this work. And it wasn't until we had some very honest and frank conversations that I finally just surrendered and said, okay, I need to go and walk towards this. I need to understand what is here and, you know, do the same process that I had done in all these other areas. And it just felt the most taboo of them all. Mm, Yeah. Like the hardest to acknowledge that it was even a thing, the hardest Mm -hmm. to reach out to someone about the hardest Mm -hmm. to like ask questions or research because you just don't know like what's out there or what you're going to find or get into. And so, yeah, yeah, like, and there are, there are so many reasons why it feels scary. It's like, and I, and I think a lot of people experience exactly what you're talking about this idea. And I think we even talked about this maybe in our first session where we have this idea of growth mindset in so many other areas where mm-hmm. of course, like when you work on your money story, the first thing you do is go and examine how you grew up thinking right. about money and experiencing about money. We do yeah. that in all of these areas, but then what most of us are toting around the bag of crap about sex that we got handed on the welcome wagon when we came to earth and we haven't reviewed it or like updated any of it ever for so many Mm -hmm. people until Mm -hmm. you come to this moment of friction, you know, and, and there are so many things that can usher that moment in. Mm -hmm. And I, I almost fell off my chair when you said the sky is almost two, because (laughs) I know, because wasn't she like three months old when we started working together? Because that was kind of part of it. You were like newly postpartum still, she was Mm -hmm. fresh and there were so many things going on (laughs) with body and energy levels. And I think a lot of people, um, do find this work. Sometimes having a baby is like the last straw. Like you Mm -hmm. felt ready. You kind of knew it was coming and then you had a baby and you just, everything kind of shit hits the fan. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm curious if that, like how much of a role did becoming a mother have on your decision that it was time to tackle this? Yeah. So I believe we first connected when I was about three to four months postpartum. And then we, we started working together a couple months later and the becoming a mother was definitely part of the catalyst, but more than that, I think it was that the energy depletion and kind of the survival mode that me and my husband were in during that you know, postpartum season really just highlighted the areas that were still needed attention in our relationship, you know? And so he was more vocal than ever in that season. Cause I basically kept saying, well, once I, I just had a baby, like once I recover, like once I, she's, you know, when she's not a newborn anymore, like once, you know, I was delaying having to do this work and he was like lovingly like, well, you've kind of been saying that for, you know, two years. Yeah. (laughs) And I had to be like, oh shit, you're right. I have been. And there's never going to be an opportune moment, you know, especially now that there's a a miniature human in the world. (laughs) Yeah. There's never going to be a super comfy, convenient time to delve into the depths of everything that's down there. Yeah. (laughs) So I think it was, uh, you know, the mother motherhood was a piece, but it was more so driven by how many conversations we'd had about it. And then Ben finally saying, you know, look, this is, this is a deal breaker for me. Right. Which in his, um, and I'm so grateful that he shared that 
because early on in our relationship, I shared with him, we need to um, work on our communication and we need to deepen our emotional intimacy. And I was very clear, this is a deal breaker for me. And he leaned into that work. And so he was then able to reflect back to me about this piece where I kept saying, no, this is, this is not about me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he lovingly was able to say, well, this is important to me. And, you know. Yeah. And that's, and that's super, yeah, that's super important. It's, and before, yeah, anybody who has a pitchfork, put it down because this is a, like, I understand that that can be triggering, especially to people who, again, there's so many good reasons, right? Like you're not shutting your partner out because you don't love them. You're not, not working on it because you don't want to. There's so many levels and layers of blockage and Mm -hmm. self-defense and all these things in the way that make it feel really impossible. The intention is always to connect deeply and to give your partner what makes them feel loved and nourished in the way that you would expect to receive that back. Correct. And it takes a lot of courage for someone to say, Hey, like this is a non-negotiable for me. This is Mm -hmm. what I need Mm -hmm. as a person. This is what I need in relationship. And to your point, you guys had established a container in your relationship where you have already done that. And now he's doing that. And it Mm -hmm. just, and it's, it can be really hard, especially when it's around something tender, but we, I mean, we've all had those conversations. I remember one of the most vulnerable conversations that I ever had was when I was pregnant and I, Mike and I did a whole episode on this. So I know he doesn't mind me sharing this, but like, he was one of those guys who was severely creeped out and concerned about having sex with his pregnant wife. He was worried Mm. about hurting the baby. He was worried about hurting me. Like everything felt weird. He's like, there's like an alien in there. Like it just, it freaked (laughs) him out. And he had such a hard time. And I am in this vulnerable state where I already feel like a stranger in my body. My confidence Mm -hmm. is already less than usual. And I just want, I want to feel beautiful. I want to feel desired. I want to feel connected and intimate with my partner. And the sex was a struggle because he just had such a hard time with having sex with me as a pregnant person. And I took that so hard. Like it, it felt like rejection. I was like, not only am I uncomfortable and getting fat and doing all these things so that we can have a family, but now like you won't even have sex with me. Like it just, it was not comfy. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I couldn't invalidate the fact that this is all new territory, not just for me, but also for him. And that Mm -hmm. as much as that hurt my feelings, like he is allowed to be like, I do not know what is going on here. And I can't pretend to be like something that I'm not, but we had to have conversations around, okay, well, this is how much touch, this is how much physical affection, this is how many orgasms, like I need from you to feel supported as a partner. And Mm -hmm. this is like kind of what we're going to do to mitigate. And we kind of had to make a plan for that. And Mm -hmm. that, that required a lot of very uncomfortable, very honest, but respectful conversation. And so I think you bring up an awesome point in, in sharing that piece. And thank you for sharing that piece. Um, one thing I want to ask, this is like, this is the best again, this is new. So like, this is behind the scenes, which is something people have been asking me for more and more. Mm. I'm so curious. So as you're approaching this, you guys have had this conversation, you know, it's time and you're, you're starting the search for the right fit 
for someone to, to help you unpack this stuff, to create that container for you. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I think a friend, a mutual friend of ours referred you or shared my information with you mm-hmm. and that's how you found me. But I'm curious what it was that made you feel like this is it. Like Kristen is a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. This is the person that I'm going to do this with. Yeah. So I remember distinctly. Um, so I also want to acknowledge that when this was coming up in our relationship, part of the part of my resistance was that I believed I was fundamentally broken. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I didn't recognize that this was a fixable part of myself oh. or a healable part of myself. Right. I thought, well, I'm just not a sexual person. Like I cannot meet you here because this is fundamentally part of who I am. And that was terrifying, right? To be confronted with this um, desire from my partner, which I acknowledged was reasonable and healthy. And then I felt like, oh my goodness, like I can't do that because I'm just not a very sexual person, right? That was the story I was telling. And so I had talked about this with my therapist, you know, she had tried to support in this area and it just felt like it was not going anywhere. Like it felt like it was falling flat. And I, I thought to myself, okay, how do I navigate every other area of my life that I desire to change? And I reflected and realized, well, I go all in with a coach, with a mentor in a deep container and I just do the damn thing. (laughs) That's just what I do. That's what I've done in all the places. And so I realized, oh, I could just apply that same idea to this area. And around that same time that I had that realization, uh, Amanda Thomas was the um, mutual friend and she uh, posted about some some of your work, right? I can't remember what, but I followed, you know, saw your Instagram Uh, followed you for it wasn't that long it was a few weeks I think and just your ability to talk about sex and be sexual online which felt so radically uncomfortable to me was like I need some of that right like I need to learn how to embody that side of myself who Kristen clearly is so comfortable with and just the way that you spoke and the potency of your words and the depth of your words. And um, you also had a similar age toddler at the time. James is a little older, but so I knew that you would get it, right? It was like, a, it just all those pieces clicked into place. And I thought, well, this has shown up in my field for a reason. You have shown up for a reason and just, you know, it was time to open up the conversation and explore it. And that's how I've made all of my decisions around working with people and doing this type of work. Um, and so I just trusted that that meant it was the green light and to do it. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, I resonate with that. That's how I've, I've found mentors and, and people too. And, and sometimes it is, it's the, it's the timing of when it emerges. Sometimes it's multiple times. It's like, you'll see someone's name and you're like, Oh, okay. And then you see it again. And then you see it again. Yes. And you're like, Oh, it's like all of a sudden they're everywhere. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm being told something. I'm being right. told something. And so there is, there is a piece that is energetic. And that's why it's so funny. Cause 
you being a coach will get this. It's like everybody, when you're coaching and you have that initial call that is really to test, test the water and see how you guys feel about each other and to mm-hmm. present your offering and see if it's a good fit. You know, you go through these workshops and everyone's like, yeah, let's figure out the, the discovery call. And it's called a discovery call, or it would yeah. be like a breakthrough call or like all these things. And mm-hmm. I had tried out different names and I was like, those just don't, they don't sit with me. Like that's not the right language. And so I eventually came up and I was like, it's really a chemistry call because it's Mm -hmm. not like for me, it's all about our chemistry. It's about our energetic connection. It's about whether our souls are a love match or not, you know, because I, I mean, I feel that every human on earth would benefit from some version of the work that I do, but I may not be the particular medicine for that Mm -hmm. person. Like we may not be a match for each other. And so it's always really important to me to meet. And and there's like, I don't do at this stage anyway, I have never really done like applications or anything like that. It's more, I'm like, I want to show up in the room with you over a cup of coffee. And I want to see like how we relate to each other. Do you feel drawn to me? Do you feel seen by me? Even in this initial conversation, do you feel like I have the energetic signature to support you on this Mm -hmm. thing that you're about to do? And nobody can decide that for you, but you, nobody can make that right. It's, Mm -hmm. It's something that you just have to know. And so I always encourage people. It's like, I've met with plenty of women who I'm like, I think you're amazing. And I don't, if you do not feel this connection, like there's no reason to move forward. Like I would never want you to come into a situation like this and not feel like it is 112% the right match for you. And so, but I always know, like I, when I met you, I was like, yeah, this is happening. Like, I don't know when, but it's happening at some point, this is going to happen. And then like what happens most of the time after you spend, you know, six months or more delving into the depths of someone's soul and then it's over and you're like, oh, well, and now we're going to transition into lifelong friends and raise our kids together and just keep on, keep it on. So (laughs) yeah, it's the dream scenario. It's just a dream. It's such a gift. Um, and I'm curious. So you, you felt, you felt that you followed your intuition. You're like, now's the time. This is the chick we're doing this. So we come in session one, you have no idea what to expect. And you've, again, you've been in therapy and this comes up in my work a lot too, where I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm learning. Mm -hmm. I am, um, I practice a somatic modality, therapeutic modality. And I mean, technically when I'm finished at the end of this three year magical thing I'm doing, I will be like a somatic therapist, but I'm not a traditional therapist. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are curious about the difference, the difference between going to therapy, going to therapy for all these years. Like if I went to therapy for 10 years and they, and that didn't help me, how is this going to help me? And I'm just curious on your reflections, like from your personal experience, the difference between the two, like how how they felt and what was different because, um, we all know like therapy is so deeply valuable. It is so important. And for so many people, it is exactly the right first step when it comes to having like sometimes the awareness that you gain and the language you get for things can contribute so deeply to that sense that you are not uniquely broken because there's literally a phrase for this. There's a therapeutic term for this, which means that other people are experiencing this. And I think that that is life-changing and life-saving. And in my experience, when we're dealing with 
things that, especially around sex and sexuality and, and safety in our bodies, there is often a disconnect between the awareness that we gather cognitively and then kind of bringing that down into the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I think some of the main differences I experienced was, you know, therapy was the perfect foundation. I started therapy back in 2017, I think at this point. And that was really, uh, that was after doing yoga teacher training and like all of this stuff had been unearthed within me that I had, you know, zero concept before that training that I had any power or control over my thoughts, over my feelings. Um, I didn't know what emotions were. I mean, I was literally coming in with like base level knowledge, feeling, you know, thinking that you basically had, I feel good today or I feel bad today. (laughs) Like that was the range, you know? And so it was a long, slow journey of chipping away at that and unpacking that, learning a whole new language for my inner world is what I would say therapy gave to me and allowed me to um, really practice using those terms and defining those terms. And even the idea of just sitting in feelings was like, brand new to me you know even in therapy I'd be like okay so what do I do about it right like what do I do now what do I do she she would just lovingly say well nothing you just be and that was a foreign idea and so it provided all of that foundation coupled with the um yoga you know work that I've been doing for years now um has been so powerful kind of putting the movement piece and then the cognitive piece but they lived separately in my life right I went to therapy and talked about it and then I went to yoga and felt about it and but there was no connection there was no putting of those pieces together until I worked with you and the other thing that's really different is um I felt like therapy while it did move me forward there's no question it was very much like I come to the table with my stuff, right? Of whatever's present. And then she would help me unpack that and and whatever. Whereas with you, you were leading me on a journey. And that's what I felt I needed. I felt like I needed somebody to move me, right? Like to help me move and to ask me the questions that I don't even know need to be asked, you know? And, And so- I always think of, because I'm a coach too, right? I know what the line is. And I always think of, you know, therapy is very much like holding space and digging into the past. And then coaching is more about moving forward and creating new results in your life. Mm, Yeah. And so you were able to incorporate both of those things because there was an unearthing of the past, right? Of course, we have to understand where these patterns originated to unravel some of the stories that felt so um, true that obviously were not after unpacking them. And so you just did this amazing job of incorporating all of those pieces and he take tangible action, right? Because there was, again, we can talk about it all day, but then there's taking it into your life, right? Putting it into practice and really challenging me and and helping me lean into my edges and then the last thing I'll say is that with this type of work and really with any coaching work I believe 
you can only go as far as the facilitator has taken themselves, mm. right? So my therapist hadn't embodied all of these parts of herself necessarily, right? Like she just wasn't able to take me where I needed to go. And I just knew from the minute that I uh, connected with you that you could. Mm. And so that was the difference there for me as well. I, I'm receiving that so much. That makes me, that obviously fills me with like warm honey inside. And, mm-hmm. um, and you, you are 100% correct. Every corner, every shadowy little corner that I hold your hand and lead you into during this process is one that I have spent a lot of time in myself. Mm-hmm. And I actually was having a conversation with someone about this last night. And I said, because I know this to be true for me, that you can only affect as much change or impact in the world as you are willing to experience within yourself. So like someone who wants to go out and change the world, but is not interested in changing themselves at all. Like you're going to run into a wall over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that that is a really um, powerful reminder just for people doing the work in general, like your ability to move your vision forward or to follow your passion and to affect the kind of change that you dream of has everything to do with your own willingness to change. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's something that I want to reflect back to you too. And, and all of the women who have had the most powerful transformative results from us working together, the thing they all have in common is that, that readiness, like this is it. There is no more waiting. We are doing this. We are going all in the way you said, and this sense of radical self-responsibility, you know, and, and I loved how, because some, I offer a lot of support. You have to actually take advantage of it for it to, to matter. Right. I have women who are in containers with me who could be sending me messages in our private box, who could be asking me questions, who could be asking me for more prompts or for more things. And it's like total silence in between our sessions and that's their choice. And that is, I, I always honor and respect whatever each person's process is. but you were someone who we would talk about something in session and then we would leave. And the next day you'd be in the boxer and you'd be like, okay, so here's the situation. And I feel like this is kind of what we talked about, but like, what is the actual application? Like, I'm going to do this thing today. Tell me what this would look like in this situation. And I was like, what a great question. And I would literally walk it through. I'm like, all right, this is what we're going to, this is what we would do. This is what we will do. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. And then you go do it and you come back and be like, Hey, surprising. It works. And I'm like, that is so great. (laughs) Yeah. Great to hear that worked just like we thought it would. That's awesome. Uh, And, but I really appreciated that. I think that a lot of people and this, this is very prevalent in women, I feel for a lot of reasons. Um, But we don't always take full advantage of the support that is available, even when we're paying for it. Like even when we are investing a lot of money in being, supremely supported, there is still this piece of us. that's like, Oh, I don't want to, like, I don't want to bother her. I don't want, I don't want to ask too many questions. I don't want to be too much. Like we're so afraid of being too much that we leave support on the table all the time. And I like, I try to stop shy of the line of harassment, but I'm always like, please come utilize the support that is being offered. Like use 
all of it. That's what it's here for. And so I think so much of what you experienced is because you were willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I loved that. And I celebrate that about you. And, and I think that's, I see you doing that with your own clients. Like I know that you practice that with your own clients. So again, you were living out something that you already really believed in as far mm-hmm. as how to engage in really deep work. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a big part of why you experienced so many amazing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that really, and thank you for those words. And that really speaks to the safety of the space that you hold where I felt a hundred percent safe and comfortable to reach out anytime. And that was also a learned behavior for anybody listening who feels like they struggle with that. I hear you and you can do something about that. Right. And, and some of that came from being in, you know, mastermind containers and group group settings and noticing and observing my behavior where I want to shrink and I want to take up less space and I want to watch from the sidelines and and basically making a decision that I was no longer available for that anymore. I was going to be an active participant in my life in all the places. And that included in the places that I've invested in support. And so, you know, I see my clients doing that sometimes too, because I've been there and I'm able to reflect that back to them to say, hey, reminder, this is for you. Take advantage of it. Take up more space and also notice what's the story that comes up when you think about doing that, right? Like what is the story that says you shouldn't? And let's explore that versus, um, you know, just living into that shrinking story where you're giving everybody else the platform. And you're meanwhile struggling, but you've become so used to struggling or trying to figure it out on your own that you don't even realize you're not utilizing the support Mm. that is there. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a great segue into some of the specific stories and things that we worked on during Mm. our time together. And one, one thing that I am thinking of that always made me like, of course you have to have humor when you're doing this. Right. So one thing that made me giggle when you first came in, you were like, I think you were literally wearing a turtleneck. Like every time you came to our sessions, you were in a turtleneck and a shawl and like some wraps and things. And you were like from the chin down, like you were covered up. And so one thing you mentioned, you're like, well, I would like to feel a little less prudish about Mm -hmm. my body. And, you know, you're like, I am very uncomfortable showing cleavage and Mm -hmm. I would like to work on that. Like, I would like to feel more comfortable with my feminine form and with all of these things. And I'm, I'm curious what some of the realizations you had about that, because that wasn't, it actually, it was not something small, right? Like, I think a lot of women are like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not very comfortable wearing low cut shirts or whatever. And there's a lot to be said about that as far as societal slut shaming and all these different things, but you had some very interesting specific kind of programming and stories around showing your body around objectification. And that came out to play in a lot of different areas. And I'm curious if you feel comfortable sharing about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what it came down to was I was so confused as to how I was supposed to feel about this. Right. So I felt like on one hand, I'm a powerful, independent woman, and I don't want to be objectified by men. I don't exist for the male gaze, right? And yet, I also want to be desired by my husband and by my partner and to show up in the world um, 
feeling sexy and comfortable with who I am and able to show cleavage or, you know, show parts of my body and be okay with that. And I just felt like there was just such a conflict in my mind as to, is that okay? Or is that not okay? Like, I don't know which side of the, <laughs> the story I'm supposed to be on, especially being like a feminist woman who has, you know, more to offer the world than the way that I look. And so first and foremost, I just felt confused because all I was hearing were like cultural narratives and I just needed to unravel it. So um, you really helped me. I, I remember one of the sessions where I literally said, what's the line? Like, when am I being objectified versus when am I just being desired and where it's acceptable? You know, how do I know the difference? Like, where is this line? And, and so we did, um, you know, a lot of work around unpacking many micro, what seem like micro, you know, lowercase t traumas in my past as a teenager that were um, just moments of objectification and low level violations, right? That I had just swept under the rug that I thought was just normal, no big deal. This is just the way it is. This is what happens to everybody not realizing what impact all of those micro um, moments were stacking up to have in the sense that I just wanted to retract and hide myself because it didn't feel safe to be fully embodied and proud of the way I looked and to um, you know, adorn my body and, and wear things like that because I felt subconsciously that it was gonna attract male attention that was then going to make me feel unsafe. And then it was also going to be my fault, right? Because I have, mm -hmm. I have done that. Like I have opened myself to You, you that. provoked that by, yes, yeah, correct. which is and, that pure, that toxic puritanical, like, you know, when men stumble, it's because the woman did X, Y, right. and Z, and it has right. nothing to do with them learning how to control themselves and how to be decent right. human beings and honor. Consent. We lured them in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We are the <laughs> sirens luring yeah. them to their watery hellish depths. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there, there is so much of that. And I know we spent a lot of time working with the unsafety that lived in your body from those small repetitive, you know, like death by a thousand cuts kind of experiences mm -hmm. that so many women have. And, and you said it, that sense of unsafety. And I think that's where we, we were drawing the line for you because this mm -hmm. is, I, and I love the conversation about objectification and desire because it's really nuanced. Mm -hmm. But I think for most women, the line is like their objectification to a toxic extent crosses over the line of boundaries and consent. Whereas you can desire someone without disrespecting them, making them feel unsafe or rupturing any kind of boundaries. And I think we talked about erotic play, energetic, and like the energetics of things. Like you can feel someone who is participating in or with your erotic energy in a respectful way mm -hmm. versus somebody who is crossing a line or a boundary and objectifying you without your consent, because mm -hmm. just depending on the situation, you know, it's like, I, and I probably shared this with you. Like there was a time in my relationship with my husband before we were married 
where I really wanted more objectification from him. I was like, I appreciate that you are with me because I am hilarious and smart and (laughs) independent and whip out my credit card to pay for dinner and all these things. I love that you love those things, but I also just kind of want you to like be proud to be seen with me because my ass is a 10. Like I want that from you. And so it, it is all about your own desire and, and feeling safe with those and feeling respected in those and giving your enthusiastic consent, like in Mm -hmm. those areas. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you had a really, it at the time, it felt like a really surprising realization when, cause we did some, we did some fun home play around this, where we would Mm -hmm. do these kind of low stakes, increasingly more um, edgy experiences of you kind of going out into the world with your energy and like, you know, just putting more of yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And I remember one weekend, I think you and, and Ben had gone away somewhere and you had taken some like really beautiful, like date outfits and some things. And you were surprised because you realized when you got out there that what the attraction or whose attention you attracted the most that felt the most uncomfortable was actually the gaze of other women. Mm -hmm. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I would love to hear you talk about that because I think that's something that women struggle with also. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great reminder. And I specifically remember that night and you were such a great, you know, safe space for me. I was sending pictures and being like, look what I'm wearing, you know, because it still felt like dangerous to be doing this. I was like, fire emoji, fire emoji. (laughs) (laughs) But just to have that validated and have that like safe container is so important. I cannot stress that enough for anybody thinking about doing this work. And um, you helped me realize that I could show up in that way and own the power that comes with that. Like it was safe to embody that power where I felt good in my body. I was wearing what I desired to wear and recognizing that people were going to look and it was going to attract attention and it was safe to hold that attention. And it was also safe to know I didn't owe anybody anything as a result of that attention. And so that was like a new realization. And then witnessing other women gaze it felt like um you know it was like the the fear of their judgment that I was going to be ostracized or um just that primal feeling of lack of belonging where I wasn't sure what to do with that and then it was it was it was surprising to me as well right to feel that um, to have that awareness and, and to experience that reflection. And I can't, maybe you can remember even more as far as what I shared around that, other than I think it came from just being afraid that that meant that I wasn't um, safe with women, right? Like it's almost like I'd kind of gone to like the other side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, awesome. Well, yeah, I think one thing we we kind of, like plucked out together was this, it's the duality of, of fear that a lot of us experience in the world where on the one hand, the first layer is that we've, we fear the unwanted attention and gaze of men that could turn violent. So we Mm -hmm. fear that. And then on the other side, we were, we fear the rejection of women who 
um, think we're there to steal their man or like, right. who the hell is she? Like, well, who does she think it's she the, is? Who, who that was a big one. Is. Who does yeah. she think she is? That's that was exactly the it. one that came out for you the most. And you're like, Oh, and I was like, well, who, who are you? Right. <laughs> who the hell are you? Who do you, who are you? And I think the more confident you became in like, this is a part of me. This isn't an act. This is a facet of my being. This is a facet of my wholeness and my wellness. Mm -hmm. Then it was like, I don't really care who they think I am because I know who I am and I know Mm -hmm. how it feels to be all of her. And I don't ever want to go back to being only a part of her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a, an important piece to add there is there is a time when you have to hold that tension where you do feel like you're acting as if. Mm-hmm. And I think this yeah. is so important in any kind of coaching work that you do where for as you are integrating this piece and as you are normalizing this piece, you do have to play into it. Like you have to try it on and you have to um, act as if it is a part of you, even though it doesn't feel like it yet because you haven't integrated it yet. And so you did such a great job of helping me through that period where you're between like two identities, right? And so, and so many people when they don't have the right support get to that place and think, well, this doesn't feel authentic. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to like like lean back and I'm going to retract back into the old way. And it's not a question of authenticity. That's really the, not a helpful word in this sense because even confidence isn't going to feel normalized at first it's going to feel arrogant at first if you've always judged people who are confident Mm -hmm. right and you're also not used to holding that energy within your presence in the world and so it feels uncomfortable and it feels you know weird and then we label that as being inauthentic and think that means wrong Mm -hmm. and so that's a really um key area that you helped me through in that I was playing and I was trying it on and it felt super uncomfy and then there were moments where it was like oh this is really fun actually and then I'd fall back into you know an old story where it was maybe I shouldn't be doing this maybe this isn't who I am. And you just held that tension while I was able to play, which takes time and many different instances and experiences of doing it out into the world. And then you're able to land and say, oh, this was always a part of me. Yeah. Right. Now we've just brought it back in. Well, and I think you, what you just, all of that, what you just said is pure gold in that the conversation about authenticity here is, is not helpful because it's not about authenticity. It's about the pieces of you that are unexpressed. So like they are authentically you, they've just never had the permission or the safety or the space to be expressed. Mm -hmm. And that is something that you integrate through doing it through living it out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think people, one, I, I do think one of the big things that keeps people from 
getting into the work is this kind of the fear of the unknown of not knowing what to expect. And I think for such a long time, that was even, I mean, as a coach, it was challenging for me to detail, like what's going to happen in the container, because so much of what happens in the container is so specific to the individual, the Mm -hmm. stuff that I had you playing with and the things that I sent you to do and the assignments that I gave you, maybe I've given a version of that to another person, but mostly I am, I am following my own intuition and training and therapeutic modalities and different things. Like I'm fitting things together in a highly customized potion that is just for you and what you're doing. And some of the stuff that I have people do, if I told everyone that that's what I do, they would, they would think I was insane. They'd be like, you do what you're going to make me do what I'm like, I'm not going to make you do anything, but I am going to invite you to your edge. And I'm going to give you options because I do feel like that was something that we would do is I would say, okay, here's like, in terms of comfiness, here's like level one. This is what we start with. And then if you want to push it a little more, here's level two. And then if you're just feeling like real brave and like you have a lot of capacity today, here's number three, here's like what you can do if you really want to drive this in. Mm -hmm. And you, again, like you went all, all in would do Mm -hmm. all of them. And it was amazing. And I feel like especially in this area. Um, one thing that was really helpful is we did some archetypical play and we tapped into some of those, like the sacred slut archetype. And we tapped into the erotic mother and we tapped into some of these different ways of being. And we, you know, you can utilize all kinds of, of things to, to support that, that feel really playful, like having a name for her and having certain clothes that only she wears and having certain like characteristics and things that maybe, you know, nine to five Natasha isn't going to do, but that, you know, Veronica is going to do after 10 o'clock and that, you know, it, it, it's like fun and exciting and you get to be curious about it and you get to experiment. And I think it goes, I mean, it goes all the way back to our desire as children to play dress up and to experience other ways of being like that is innate to our humanity. Like that is such a natural, healthy part of us. And we, we lose that somewhere along the way where we feel that we have to be this fixed person who only does these things. And this is your favorite color for the rest of your life. Like, it's just so silly to me. Like all of that is so silly to me. We are always growing and shifting and changing and evolving and giving yourself permission to get back into that space of creativity and play and just trying things on and seeing how they feel and seeing what parts of you, that character or that expression gives you access to. And then on the other side, as you're expressing in a way that you've never expressed before, you are opening the door and creating a new template of safety for your partner to interact with you and see you and be with you and even express in ways that they never have before. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that I think people don't often realize they're like, Oh, what's going to happen? Like I'm the one who's putting everything at stake by showing up in this way or being this character, bringing this into our room or our lovemaking. And it's like, you don't understand that the second you do that, you're throwing wide the door for your partner to meet you somewhere new. And some, and some of them have been waiting for that for a really long time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I love that you bring that up because the, it was so freeing 
to just remember that my identity is fluid and it can also be chosen, you know, and that's still a relatively new concept in our, in our history as humans right? Yeah. Like as far as being able to choose like who we show up yes. as in the world is, is relatively new. And um, I think there's so much attachment that gets perpetuated based on other people's commentary of, you know, hearing adults, right, around you who comment on other people's choices where it's like, oh, well, that's not, you know, she didn't used to be like that. Or I've even had people that I grew up with, school friends comment, about how now the way that I show up on social media and that I sell and that I'm a coach and that, oh, that doesn't seem like her. Well, it's not the version of me that you knew then that's correct, but that isn't fixed, right? We're, we're designed to grow and change continuously. And so for you to offer me archetypes to, um, pull from and to just like play with was so helpful because again, I was so new to this world and it just gave me uh, um, ideas to like try on and, and, and to see what I enjoyed and to see what really landed and what I wanted to, to pull from and that none of it had to be, I wasn't one dimensional. Yeah. Like I'm not one dimensional. Even the way I introduced myself today is like, these are all the parts of me that feel active and alive right now. And like next year, when I introduce myself, that might be different and that is okay. And just like being okay with that um, has been so deeply freeing in all of the areas of my life. Mm. And it's been really breathtaking to witness too, because from when I met you and we started, like I joked about it, but truly you were literally black head to toe everywhere. I saw you, you had a lot of times you had your beautiful hair, like piled up on top of your head. Like, you know, that was, that was kind of your, 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 I was going to say costume. That's funny. That was like your uniform. Yeah. It was a costume at the time. <laughs> right. And over, you know, the last year and a half, it's even just, even if I didn't know you, but like being in this um, relationship with you and just seeing you grab color, you know, like I remember when you went out and you bought that beautiful, like silk yellow jumpsuit that was yeah. so gorgeous. And you were like, I'm so uncomfortable and I'm so excited. And I love this. Like, I just yeah. love it. And, you know, seeing dresses come out and seeing like big, beautiful turquoise pieces show up on your body and like necklace stacks and hats and like varying yeah. degrees of skin and your hair and different, like it just, you have transformed on the outside also, like it has mm -hmm. permeated this this comfort with trying on new looks and new things and, and bringing in color and bringing in, you know, expression, like that is something that has been happening externally too. And that has been awesome. Like, it's been amazing to see that. And I am curious about like, as we were kind of moving through all of those things, I'm curious what kind of things you started noticing happening in other areas of your life relationship as you began to experience freedom and congruency and healing in the area of sexuality. I'm curious what else you started to notice got hit because we talk all the time about how it does touch everything, mm -hmm. but when you're not connected to it, you don't realize everything it touches because you're right. not touching it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so many places. I mean, the first was in my relationship of just how much more connected me and my husband were 
so much more of the time. And um, I mean, that was, that was huge. And it also felt like a lot of unproductive habits fell away as a result. So some of the ways that we would buffer in the evenings when there was this like unspoken tension and we just didn't do that anymore. And I also felt like I had a lot more time for myself because I was not feeling low level guilt the whole time about like how I should be, you know, initiating sex or I should be like, it was in the back of my mind, like the elephant in the room, so to speak all the time. Whereas now all of that was gone. And I would happily go and spend my evenings alone or doing yoga or going anywhere without any worry that I should be connecting more because we were so connected all of the time because we now had access to this other way of connecting that had never been available to me before and um so that it, that just like blew through so many pieces mm. all in one go and and um we also and added such a playful element yeah. that we didn't have before I want I wanted to yeah I'm sorry to yeah, and, you. And, I, yeah. I wanted to talk about that more because I feel like you said something that literally every woman listening is like, what, wait, go back. Because mm. that, that comes up with every, every woman I've ever had mm. who's in a relationship. It's this guilt, this feeling mm. of like, I have this constant underlying guilt that when I am not showing up for sex as often as I feel like I should, or as often as I'm being asked or, you know, whatever, there is this crushing sense of guilt that happens. Mm. And from your your personal experience and working through that, like what were some of the key things that helped you shift your perspective around that and release those expectations and that guilt? Uh, having more sex. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is what it came down to. It was like, just, just do it. And then there's no guilt. But before I couldn't access it because I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Right? Like I didn't, the story was, I'm not sexual. I don't enjoy sex. I'm not good at sex. And I'm and that's not because you were having sex that you weren't enjoying that much. And that's right. not a, that's right. not a slap on anyone. It's just that what was happening at the time, there was a lot of disconnect in yeah. communication in what each person was really into, like what mm-hmm. really excited each person. And so I think what we did is we kind of walked through like a new menu, some like intentionality yes. around, like we have focus time that looks like this. And that mm-hmm. way, when we're not engaged, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. I know it was something that we worked with. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and again, like not even knowing how to ask for what I wanted didn't even know that was an option. Like subconsciously I just didn't even realize that I could shape this right and so um once I once we figured out how to re-engage and how to redefine and how to how I wanted it to look and how we wanted it to look it was just so freeing and then it also became like this commitment to myself and to the relationship, just like I commit in all kinds of areas of my life where it's like, I know that doing this makes everything better. I feel better. My partner feels better. Our relationship is healthier. Our, just everything works better. A bit like show up for yourself and go to yoga, right? And then everything works better. And so it was just about shifting into that mindset and that perspective and making it a priority when I had never made it a priority because I didn't think it mattered to me. And it turns out it does. And it's amazing when you have been able to 
redefine it and, and access it in the way that you helped me access it. And so it was just about the consistency and like, there was no longer any guilt because I knew I was showing up for myself and I knew I was showing up for our relationship in that way. And, you know, I relate it to, and maybe this is a good segue into another area that it rippled into was around money. So we explored a lot of the connection between sex and money and power in the world. And I've done a lot of money, you know, money mindset work, let's say, but this just uncovered a whole new layer of the way it was woven in with sex based on my upbringing and parental structures and what I had modeled for me. And I just, I think of it as the same way as when before I learned to manage my money and like look at my money, I wouldn't look at it. I have an avoided you avoided it. That's my, yeah, that's my tendency. And so there would be this low level guilt all the time that I'm like, I should look, I should look, I should look. But you're scared of what you're going to see. So you're just not looking. Yeah. And so it was the same thing in our relationship with sex, where there was like that low level guilt. And then once you address that and you remove it and you actively participate in that area of your life, whether it be sex or whether it be money, you realize how much of a cloud you've been living under. You realize how heavy that has been for so long. Oh, yeah. And removing that fear of looking, like mm-hmm. removing that fear of exploring and figuring mm-hmm. out what is actually going on so that you know how to respond so that you know what to do next. You know, it's like, you can't right. improve upon anything that you don't know, like you need mm-hmm. that information. And so, mm-hmm. and I do, I want to just, because always, and it's so important, the, the things that we focused on so much before you got to this point of like, I'm able to prioritize this now. I'm able to look at this. It was safety in all the areas, like everything, you know, everything boiled down to that. It was recovering the sense of bodily autonomy. I belong to myself. Mm -hmm. I get to decide what happens, how it happens, when it happens. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that sense of safety, like I am safe with me and I know how to set the boundaries and create the environment in which I will feel safe and supported by the people that I trust and that I have chosen as safe people, partners Mm -hmm. included. Mm -hmm. And that is what set the foundation for this, this more empowered, more like, let's just do the thing. Cause Mm -hmm. like when you're in a state of freeze overwhelm and you haven't accessed that safety yet, then you might, it might feel scary or overwhelming to be like, well, the thing that fixed the guilt was having more sex. And it's like, that's, that's not the first answer, but that is the answer that you were able to come to because of all of the foundational things that you did before. And I want to point that out for listeners who are early in the journey, like the answer for you right the second may not be to just have more sex like that. There's a reason why you can't have more sex. And so when we addressed all of the reasons why you felt and believed that you couldn't have more sex, Mm -hmm. then everything opened up. Correct. Yes. I'm so glad that you pulled that piece out because I never in a million years would have said that was the solution right (laughs) Right. back then. And I also didn't even realize how much guilt was there until again, we unpacked it. And, And one thing I will say about the journey was like the first three months, we worked together for six months, the first three months or so, there wasn't a lot of external evidence yet, right? There wasn't, nothing really had changed. And I even had a conversation with Ben about that, where he's like, you're doing all this work, but like, 
is anything, is this, is this working? And there just became a tipping point where I had enough of that base level safety, language, understanding, boundaries to where it then became, okay, let's like take this out into the world. Like let's really um, explore and, and play with this. So I wanna reflect that as well in that even when it doesn't look like things are shifting, if you're doing this work with somebody, it absolutely is. And, and to your point, that's all the safety work. Yeah. It's not like you walk into a container with Kristen and then like week two, she's like, okay, yeah. assignment number one. <laughs> like, yes, you know, that is so true. With your boobs out. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. I do. Yeah. I mean, it depends on who you are, but yeah, yeah I do true. not. I do not do that. Um, and it's, it's funny because even, and I think even now, like I've even since we've worked together, right. Like talking about being evolutionary and continuing to grow and deepen into our practice and our expertise and our passion. Like I have shifted even deeper into the somatic portion, the mm. trauma renegotiation, like all of these pieces since we were together. And, but it is amazing to me how much of that, even without as much language and science, right. As I have now, how much of that I intuitively knew had to be there because of my own felt experience, because of what I needed when I went through that process, but even, but the whole thing, it is slow. And there is, I laugh a lot because the process of getting sexually liberated, it does not always feel sexy when you're working on it. I think people sometimes come in and they have no concept of what is going to happen, but I think they expect it to include lingerie and more sex and toys and lube and like all these things, which I am here for your recommendations and edification. Like I am here <laughs> to send you all the things and, and help you feel equipped and prepared, but for so many people, there's so many obstacles that need to be overcome before we can even get to that. And the sustainability of what I practice and what I have people practice is in the slow, the slowness. I like to think of it as you are transforming one molecule at a time. Mm -hmm. And it, sometimes it feels like that. Like you are waiting for all of you to come along for this journey, because I have had women who come in and they're so excited at first. Like there's, there's two different responses. Either you come in and you think it's going to be one way. And then you are immediately, you're like, well, I'm not ready for any of that. So we're going to have to take it back 12 notches, which mm -hmm. is cool. And we always do, or someone will come in and they get that kind of like, there's like a high right at the beginning because they feel empowered that they prioritize this, that they said, yes, that they invested in themselves, that they showed up and we get in there and it's like, yeah, this is going to be so fun. And there are lots of parts of it that are fun. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and they go off and they send me a, a message like two days later and they're like, oh my God, I just had amazing orgasms and everything <laughs> is already working. And I'm like, that's awesome. Keep at it girl. And then the wall comes. And they're like, oh shit. Like I didn't realize that, you know, that brought up something or that I, in that moment was actually using my body to using sex, to leave my body as I started this process. And like, there's so many nuances to how it happens and how it unfolds. But one thing that you can be sure of is this is not, it is not a silver bullet. It is not a speedy process. It is not like sometimes 
things feel a lot stickier and a lot messier before they feel sexy and free. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, that is, that's every, yeah, that's like the healing process though. Like that's all of it. And there's like anything worth having is going, is achieved like through that kind of prioritization, that kind of dedication, that, that willingness to show up even on days when you're not seeing the fruit yet. Like I've worked with women for over a year before who it was really hard because they had 30 years of trauma that we're unpacking. And it's like, it took you 30 years to come to this place. And it's not going to be three weeks to get you out of this place. Mm-hmm. And so just knowing that and having grace. And I think that was some, that's something that I do say all the time is part of my role in supporting and facilitating is to bring you back to grace and self-compassion through the process all the time, even when it feels really slow. And for me, having been through and guided many people now through this process, I know for a fact that you're not going to stay stuck and that it's not going to feel like that forever. And so I can be that voice to say, Hey, I know that you feel like you're not getting anywhere. And that's not actually true. There's so much happening under the surface. There's so many seeds being planted in the winter and your spring is on the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, one of the things that's so magical about you and the way that you facilitate this work is that you infuse this sense of um, safety and compassion and deep listening and like this nurturing side with humor. And that was really medicine for my soul because I'm always trying to live into more play and taking myself and everything less seriously. And you did an amazing job of that, but not using the humor to shy away or to reject any parts like you can hold the depth no matter how deep and tender it is and you infuse humor when it makes sense when it would actually deepen the safety and so that was just such a amazing blend for me in the way that I received the work was just the range that you hold as a coach and a facilitator is really, really special. And I think is required for this body of work without question. I feel so seen right now. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is um, one of the most nourishing compliments I think I've ever received. I humor and laughter is it's my medicine too. And mm-hmm. it, it is, and you, singled out something really important. A lot of people have learned to use humor and I have, I have, I know this because I've done it in the past to use humor as, um, a shield or a defense Mm -hmm. mechanism to use it, to override and avoid something that's really hard and really uncomfortable. And what I learned was even more powerful than using it to leave is using it to intermingle with and, and coexist with the grief and the sadness, like Mm -hmm. to feel the full range of your capability in these moments when you have like tears and snot running down your face. And you can also like chuckle at something because it's so ridiculous or because, you know, like it's like a breath of fresh air. Like I try to use humor and joy to titrate in moments of intensity to bring you to these moments where it's like, even though this grief and this sadness and this anger and all these things are so real and so valid and so present right here. 
you are fucking powerful and you still have access to joy even now. And you can still choose this while you're going through this. You don't have to abandon all of these parts of you in order to get to move through and like heal these parts of you. And that has been a really powerful lesson for me to learn in my own healing. And I'm so um, grateful to hear that that comes through in the way that I facilitate too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That's magical. Well, my darling, I know we are coming up on time and I want to be so respectful of the things you have going on today. I am curious if there is anything else that from your own journey that for yourself, that you would Mm. like to bring voice to that you would like to say or claim. Mm. I think the last thing I'll say is I I hugely underestimated the importance of this work in my overall liberation. You know, I really came into it through the lens of this is something I need to address to, for my relationship. And what I got from it was all for me. You know, it was so much bigger than that. And yes, I got all the pieces for my relationship, 100%. And that was so valuable in itself. And there was just so much more. It's literally touched every area of my life. You know, we didn't even get into the business piece, but it just um, allowed me to move through the world with so much more freedom. And going back to these invisible cloaks that I didn't realize I was wearing, right, around guilt and, and and shame was just there was this low level shame wrapped around me walking through the world just ashamed to exist right on some level like there was just a ugh, like I should just be shrinking and like existing for everybody else and functioning to produce value or something in the world and like all of that has been lifted and I feel more free as a human than I ever have and and I know this is just the beginning because now I'm able to lean even deeper into these areas because it's no longer this terrifying Pandora's box in the corner of my brain that I'm afraid to dive into you know so I'm just so grateful to you I'm so grateful to the past version of me who like was brave enough had the courage yeah say yes to this work I was I was terrified it was a real real scary growth edge and so just in awe of the transformation that has happened and in so much gratitude for you and the journey you've taken yourself on to be able to now share this work with us and I am so I'm just I'm witnessing you in your courage and in your resilience and in your dedication because it's not like yes I love what you said like it did at the end of the day, like all of this was yours. Like it belonged to you. This was for you. This, that's the primary thing. And the undeniable ripple effect impacts your relationship and your business and your daughter. Like you're Mm -hmm. raising this beautiful, wild little woman who gets to have a model of liberation and openness and like embodied power and what a, that is a gift that is going to be felt throughout 
your lineage moving forward. And that's, I mean, I tell myself that about James all the time and it's so true. It's like, we're doing it for us. We're doing it for them. Mm-hmm. And like, that's our legacy. That was our, they are our legacy. And, mm-hmm. um, and I do want to, I do want to give you a, a minute to talk about in closing, to talk about your work, because I respect you so much. And I just, of course, our, our whole journey together, but like moving into this beautiful realm of friendship and all the things I've learned about you, um, outside of our coaching container. Like, I just, I love the way that you hold space in the world for other women and how you help other women realize that they don't have to follow those kind of toxic masculine hustle culture, um, like programming to, Mm -hmm. in order to experience success and fulfillment and abundance in their life. And that's so important. And I think yeah. Like I just, I would love for you to share about that. And if there was anything that you unraveled for yourself during our process together that impacts that, I would love, I would love to hear that. Yes. Thank you for opening up that, um, opportunity. So with the work that I do in the world in this season is, um, with women who are coaches, healers, and they are, they know that they're here to do so much more in the world right and I work with them really from zero to six figures like that's the range that I focus on and many of the the women that come to me are sensitive just like I am they are spiritual and they are trying to understand how to show up in the world in their fullest expression in their work and also make money from it right? There's this very real piece around how to monetize your gifts. And so what I bring to the table is really this hybrid of holding space for the strategy components. I've been in business for almost seven years now as an entrepreneur. And so there are very real strategic pieces that are supportive in nourishing and holding space for the feminine and a more cyclical approach to time and energy and leaning into your intuition because if you're in you know ideas tornadoes and chaos 24 7 there's no room to tap into those parts of yourself and so I work on really balancing the two and bringing both of those energies into all the containers that I hold and a huge part of what we're doing in you know, helping women scale to 10K months, six figures is being able to hold more wealth, right? Feeling safe to receive more money for their work, seeing their value in the world and also feeling safe to show up. So that's probably the biggest theme that intersected with our work was um, letting go of the story that it was hard to show up or that it was unsafe to show up or that it wasn't like me like it wasn't authentic to show up for myself and for my business um and so this visibility piece of showing up online is so deeply tied to the shame that we feel as women as far as is it safe to be seen this way is it safe to be this shiny is it safe to be this fully expressed and so much of of what I do in my work now is infusing those pieces. And yes, it's through the lens of helping women launch new offers, right? And and 
increase their prices, increase their enrollments so that this becomes a real sustainable business. And all of that um, is happening through action and practicing and really starting to normalize and leaning into those growth edges of what it looks like to show up, promote your work, hold space for yourself, be okay taking up space. And the ripple effect of that is, you know, more money, more visibility, and still feeling safe to hold that. So there's, I mean, there's, there's many ways that our work together uh, deepen what I now do with clients because I can see so clearly when clients are still living in that place of shame around being seen and what's the appropriate way to show up yeah, because they're just not sure because it's a new growth edge. And that is, that is so vital. Like what you're doing is so, so vital. And for those of you who are listening, if you're feeling that in your gut, like if you're feeling seen right now and you're like, Oh, that's me. Like Mm -hmm. I, I have gifts. I have things that I want to bring to the world and I don't know how, or I don't, that feels really uncomfortable or it feels I have a block around showing up and using my voice or sharing what I do, or maybe you already have a business and you just, you you feel nervous to put it out there because of what people are going to think, or you are wrapped up in that conditioning that you can't serve people and make money while you're in service. Re- you need to reach out to Natasha. You need this woman is such an embodied and that's, what's so important, right? When you are looking for support and mentorship, it is so imperative that the person who is leading you is embodied, that they are a living, breathing, practicing, you know, version of this thing that you are trying to implement yourself, because we all know there are plenty of people out there who can, you know, share posts all day and all this stuff. And then you get into relationship with them and you realize that they're not practicing any of the things they preach in their own life. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously incongruent. And so I would encourage you to, to reach out if this is something that you need support in and how, what, what's available right now. What are you, are you enrolling anything? How can they delve into this? Yeah. So best way to connect with me is on Instagram. Um, so at the, the Natasha Rankin, that's where I'm usually hanging out. Um, and as far as programs, I work with clients one-on-one. I have one spot open right now. I only hold space for a couple at a time. Um, and then I have a program called the Sensitive Business Academy, which is specifically for coaches and healers who have been doing some work with clients. They have, you know, an established business, so to speak, and they're just ready to scale. They're ready to create leverage and turn that one-on-one work into some kind of program and offer that allows them to serve more people um, in less time and energy and really take their visibility to the next level and uh, move towards that goal of consistent 10K months and having that six-figure year. Mm. And when you say sensitive, are you talking about like deeply empathetic people who energetically are, are like struggle maybe with boundaries around their energy and like how to show up without burning out. And like, is that kind of what we're talking about when you refer to that? hundred percent. Yeah. So if you're familiar with the term HSP, like highly sensitive person is Mm -hmm. a, is a term that's used to describe, you know, 
a certain percentage of the population that I identify with and anybody who's an empath who is an introvert like I'm all of these things and yet it is 100% possible to show up and share your work with joy and enthusiasm and ease and it doesn't have to deplete you when you have the right tools and you unpack some of those layers that are weighing you down and creating that uh, feeling of being drained and like the idea of showing up being hard and heavy you do not have to stay there Mm. right there's there is another paradigm available for people who identify as being highly sensitive and and tuned into other people's energy yeah Mm. so good so I will put all of that in the show notes for you guys so that you can connect with Natasha individually I am just so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that our paths crossed and that they now run parallel. It Mm -hmm. is such a a joy and it is, I mean, one of the deepest honors of my life to be able to walk next to women like you and to support you through this, this season, this chapter. Mm -hmm. And I just love you. And I appreciate you for, for sharing your experience and for making the process, um, more accessible and a little less like mysterious. I'm really grateful for all the women who are going to get to hear this and have just a firsthand account of how this doesn't have to be intimidating or terrifying and how there is support, like waiting all around them. If they have the courage to reach out and take it. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. It's been such a joy to know you, to work with you, to have this conversation. And for anybody listening who is just feeling that pull, who is like, I know this is my next edge, right? Like reach out, have the conversation. You are in such good hands. And I want to emphasize just how I was an entirely different person. I could have never had this conversation in a million years before I started working with Kristen. I would have been freaking out. Like I just think <laughs> I've ever said the word sex on the internet before working with Kristen. So I just want you to know that no matter where you're starting, just reach out, have the conversation and open yourself up to the guidance that is available because where you are right now, what you're experiencing is not who you are. It's just who you've learned to be. And you can change that with a decision, right? Another sound clip right there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm so full. I'm so full. Thank you so much, my friend. I'm so grateful for you. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Hands on my heart. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening with an open and curious mind. Anne Voskamp says, shame dies when stories are told in safe places. I would be so grateful for your help to expand the safety we're creating here by subscribing, rating, and sharing this show with the folks you love. Let's keep nothing important confidential. Confidential.